Aldous Huxley was an English writer and philosopher. He wrote nearly 50 books. And here's his quote about history. That men do not learn very much from the lessons of history is the most important of all the lessons of history. Welcome to the History Slices Podcast. A mother-son duo discussing awesome bits of history. We prove on every show that history is not boring. Entertaining, yet stimulating. This is History Slices. And now, here's your hosts, Jacob and Rachel. Well, hey, Jacob. Hey, Mom. Oh, my gosh. It's been so long. (laughs) We're finally back in business. Yes, we had some uh, technical issues, so we had to send in the roadcaster, and it was a whole debacle. Luckily, we got it back. We're back in business. Yes. Right, a rock and And not to disparage the roadcaster name. Because we like our equipment, but there was an issue and it did take a long time to get resolved. So even though we tried yeah. to prepare for the absence of the machine, it took way too long mm-hmm. to, to get it back. So here we are. We're yeah. good and to go. Thank you for being patient with us. We're ready to jump right back into fun little slices of history. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, let's do it. And yeah. so today we're talking about uh, Vincent Price. Yes. Uh, one of my favorite actors. And I thought it would be interesting to kind of just... Because normally on the show, when we talk about, we talk about like a lot of conflict or uh, advancement or whatever, but I want to talk a little bit more on the cultural side of things this time, because I thought that would be interesting. That sounds interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And unlike some of the people we've talked about in the past, like uh, Vincent Van Gogh, they've had like kind of traumatic pasts or whatever, or like some very exciting, like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that happened. Yeah. Vincent Price was very blessed in the sense that he didn't really go through that, but I thought his influence was still interesting and and notable enough to talk about. That sounds great. And I'm glad to hear he didn't have some sort of trigger uh, event or some horrible past he had to overcome or something. So that's good. I'm I'm looking forward to to learning about him because I don't know anything. I mean, I I recognize his name, but other than that, I don't really know anything about him. Sure. He's he's got like a, if you've seen any of his movies, you'd recognize his face or his voice as the case may be. So just going through his life, I'm not so bright in. He was born um, 1911 on May 27th in St. Louis in Missouri. Okay. That was about the year that uh, my grandma and grandpa were born. Oh, how about that? Yeah. Uh, So his parents, he was actually um, Vincent Price Jr., though he's not really known by that. His dad was Vincent Leonard Price Sr., uh, he was actually a president of the National Candy Company, which was like a confectionery. Oh, wow. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, In the early 1900s. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. And his mom was named uh, Margaret Cobb Price. Cool. Yeah, this is fun. He was the youngest of four siblings. He had three older siblings. Okay. Uh, and it wasn't, they weren't poor, obviously, because his dad was president of a candy company. Yeah, pretty good job. Yeah, yeah. But they weren't like super rich either. You know, they were kind of like uh upper middle class kind of that area that little sweet spot well by 1933 he graduated from Yale uh he had a degree in English and a minor in art history you know obviously skipping a bit there but yeah yeah not for a lot sure. of, there's not too wow, much exciting had, stuff uh, to happen he had the opportunity to go to a, a good school yeah yeah well and like being I, the fourth one too that's good yeah well, like I said like they had some cast to to I don't want to say throw at that but you know yeah. uh it's been there to provide for that mm-hmm. and so he kind of like uh, bounced around a little bit before he got into acting, which is what he's most famous for and what he did for most of his life. He taught for a year. He entered into the, uh, I'm not sure how you say this name, 
Cortrold Institute of Art in London. Hmm. Sorry if I mispronounced that. I'm not familiar with that word either. So. Yeah, I think it's a, someone's name. So his plan was that he would kind of get a master's degree in fine arts, but that didn't exactly pan out. Uh, he ended up switching his career goals and ended up entering the theater, uh, which, to be fair, a lot of people kind of change up their plans and like, of course, yeah, later education True. and all that early on. So that's not too surprising in of itself. Right, I agree. Mm-hmm. So in 1934, he first appeared on stage professionally before he was ever in film. He was in the theater, which is true for a number of um, uh, kind of actors, uh, I feel like, especially around this generation, I yeah, suppose. Yeah, I don't want to get sidetracked, but uh, this morning when I was doing my iFit workout yeah. <laughs> with Graham McTavish, he was talking about um, how he also started on the stage and then went in front of a camera and how he was talking about how much it taught him about being able to um, react. And, you know, it's it's a good trainer mm-hmm. for acting. Yeah, totally. Being live. Though it's a bit different. Not Again, not to get too far off, but um, Laurence Olivier, uh, he was a Rizzi theater actor who became a film actor. Mm-hmm. And he initially had some trouble adjusting because it's a different format and a different kind of medium. Yeah. Honestly, it is. Yeah. Um, but eventually he got really good at it and he's like hailed as like a, one of the greatest actors ever. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so it's interesting yeah. to, to hear people who have started in theater and ended up in television. Sure. Or yeah. Movies. Yeah. While on stage, like early on, he ended up performing with, uh, Orson Welles's Mercury theater as huh. well. So there's kind of a fun little connection, another famous yeah. person there. And of course, Vincent wasn't really a name at that point. Well, it was, but you know what I mean? He wasn't, surprise yeah <laughs> uh a few years later he married a former actress named edith barrett 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 probably barrett, probably yeah uh and that was in like 1938 uh two years later 1940 obviously they had a son who he also named vincent so i guess vincent the third i yeah, suppose I think technically so. and fun fact about this vincent he's still living to this day ah. uh he's a he's a, he does a whole bunch of stuff he's like a reporter and he's written some poetry and is like an activist for this or that you yeah know? so cool. this kind of that's like a, cool yeah, that's interesting. I just yeah. thought, you know, yeah. I don't know. He had a couple of kids, which we'll get into. Uh, so, Vincent the Vincent junior? Price. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah. Um, the main guy we're yeah, talking yeah, about. Yeah. It's a little confusing. There's a lot of Vincent's, <laughs> you know, hopping around. It's all good. So when he's starting into films, he made his on-screen debut in 1938 in a French film, or at least it has a French name, uh, Service Deluxe. Deluxe? I don't know. It wasn't really... A big role and you know it was kind of just like a background thing because he wasn't a known he wasn't famous it was just like we needed an extra mm-hmm. um yeah it wasn't until uh the 1944 film laura where he was opposite zine tyranny if that's how you even say the name <laughs> where he kind of became more of a you know oh it's that guy you know people start kind uh-huh. of got a little more recognition uh-huh. by 1939 he appeared in his first horror film which is a genre where he became basically synonymous with specifically it was uh the film was tower of london which starred boris karloff Hmm. it's about richard iii and uh you know being his murderous self even if historically he wasn't really all that murderous it's just one of those like you know blame shakespeare (laughs) uh well really blame the tutor that's a whole nother thing don't worry about it (laughs) it's a fun story it is Um, a fun story uh Richard the Third is he like in Robin Hood, um, like in the Disney Robin Hood story? No, that, is that was like Richard the First, the I Lionhearted think. or something. Yeah, that was okay. Richard the First. Okay, all right. 
but good question. So from throughout like the rest of the 40s, basically from like 47 to 49, he went through like a period of being typecast as playing the villains in film noirs. Honestly, he played the villain in a lot of his films, which I've heard or read, I should say, that a lot of actors like playing the bad guys because they tend to have really good lines. Mm. And if it's a musical, really good numbers, you know? Uh-huh. I can see how that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just kind of be goofy or whatever. Yeah. But the film noirs, uh, and do you know what a film noir is? I'm not Excellent. I'm not really sure. It's, to me, if I had to guess, it was something that's uh, either very short or very... Uh, new like pushing pushing boundaries or something i'm i'm right. just guessing sir well basically it was a it still is it's still like think technically thing though it's not as popular as it was back in the day it's a genre of film um usually about detectives or criminal elements or whatever okay. and it's all very like you know there's usually Dark. like a like a dangerous woman and then like okay. a hard-boiled detective and then like a like a police officer, you know, it's all, it's just a, uh, it's a genre. Okay. Basically. Oh, that's good. Thanks for explaining that. Yeah. But he was in the web, the lawn night rogues regiment and the bribe. <laughs> so there's a lot <laughs> Those of Those were fun. all the, the film, film noirs. noirs that he played bad guy. And yeah, in the forties in 1948, Vincent and Edith, they had a divorce, which is unfortunate, but sometimes that happens. Um, a year later, however, he married costume designer, Mary Grant. Hmm. So it wasn't that long of a uh, single period, I guess. Yeah. I don't know what you would call yeah. that. Well, by the 1950s, he ended up in more lead roles. You know, he finally became kind of like center stage. Uh, he played the main character in uh, The Baron of Arizona, where he played a uh, a famous comedian by the name of uh, James Revis. Hmm. I don't know. So sure. it wasn't a horror film. It was a comedy. Yeah, which is kind of funny. That is cool. That would be a fun role to play to a comedian. Mm-hmm. And that same year, and according to him, this is one of his favorite films that he's been in. Uh, he was in uh, the campaign for Caesar, hmm. uh, where he played Burn Bridge Waters. It's like <laughs> his famous, uh, one of his favorite roles, according to him. From around 1947 to 1951, he starred in The Saint, which was a radio show. So what did you say? With, that was three or four years, did you say? I'm sorry. 47 to 51. Okay, so, so three yeah. or four years. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he After that, he went full on into horror films. Like nothing but horror films. Huh. Uh, he was in House of Wax in 1953. I recognize that title. Yeah, it's about a murderer who uses his victims as wax dummies in a museum. Oh my so god, that's fun. The game also 1953, so it's yeah. probably a lot less. This is like when like sounds. the um, the Twilight Zone was mm-hmm. uh, a popular show in yeah. the late late 50s or early 60s throughout that the was 60s. Around that time, yeah. I think he was also in the Mad Magician, uh, which really came out in 1954. Which I looked at the plot. It's basically what it sounds like. Uh-huh. Murderous magician. Oh, dude. gosh. Uh, he was also in The Fly, which came out in 1958. He played the brother of a scientist who turns himself into a human fly hybrid by accident. I've actually seen that one. It was all right. <laughs> Does uh, he? So he plays like the main bad guy? No, well, he's not the villain in that one. Okay. That one was just science has gone wrong yeah. kind of a thing. But the one before that, what was the one that you mentioned right before The that? Mad Magician. Was he the Mad Magician? I believe so, yes. Okay. He was also in the sequel to The Fly, Return of the Fly, which came out a year later in 59. Um, Are those at all related to The Fly with Jeff? Goldblum. Yeah. yeah. That Jeff Goldblum fly. Yeah, <laughs> that's a remake of these ones. Okay, that's that's where I was from going. Like the fifties. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's a much 
the remake which came out in the 80s, I believe, is a much more famous version. Uh-huh. And a bit more ghastly, but then again, Cronenberg made that one, so that that's probably why, because he loves gross-out, like, eyeballs popping out stuff. Oh, gosh. Also, another fun fact, House of Wax was the first 3D film to get in the top 10 box office of the year. Oh, wow. So that's cool. That is cool. <laughs> there, there was a, not a lot of people know this, unless you're into, like, film stuff. There was a brief like surge of 3D stuff in the 50s, mm-hmm. late 50s, early 60s, but it died out and then came back again in like, you know, 2011, 2012. Isn't that know. interesting? Because I do remember if you picture, you know, um, posters or advertisements and stuff like that, something that's relative to the 50s. Yeah. You always see like this black and white picture of this boy and a girl or whatever. People sit in a movie theater with those 3D glasses on. There's a famous photo of a bunch, a famous black and white photo of a bunch of people in the movie theater with that's probably 3D what I'm glasses on. Yeah. And it's one of those like clickbaity like yeah. proof that time travel exists or <laughs> you know because like no that was it's older than you think. It's, yeah. Isn't that interesting? It's then it lost took popularity a, for a yeah, while. Yeah. Probably because it really wasn't very good yeah you know like if you can imagine sometimes you have to make sure you're not you don't get queasy or something you're watching 3d films but back then i imagine it was probably a little bit rougher on the eyes well i like that you uh, mentioned that because we're about to we're going in soon into william castle who was all about that stuff but we'll get into that um before that real briefly he was also in the ten commandments which i know you saw uh he played the main like builder dude like the construction guy oh yeah it's been decades since i saw that movie. yeah i mean it's been a while since i've seen it too so i don't blame you but he was in that yeah (laughs) so in the late 50s he began appearing in a bunch of william castle films uh i'm assuming you don't know who william castle is i don't Fair enough. Uh, He's not very all that well known now. Basically, he is most well known for his famous gimmicky horror films. Like, he was a showman, basically, and the films themselves are are okay. They're all right. They weren't, like, anything to write home about. But uh, he would have, like, doctors present on standby in a theater in case someone had a heart attack. Wow. Obviously, no one did, but it was to kind of enhance the... Oh, wow. This is a scary thing. Watch out. Yeah. There was a movie with... Vincent Price was in, I believe, called The Tingler, which had like this spine monster, like this giant bug that would go on your spine and stuff. Ew. And he would have vibrating seats in the theater. Oh. So that what would happen is, because at one point during the film, the Tingler would escape into a movie theater. And then like all the lights would go off in the theater and William Castle or whoever come announcements was like, oh, watch out, it's here. And then the seats would start vibrating. It's like, and if you feel it, the only way to get to release is to scream. And oh, would my all, gosh. You know. So it, he, he was a bit of a, so a goof. So how did that go over? Did audiences like that? Oh, yeah, for, for a while. I mean, it's a, all it's all gimmicks. Yeah, it's all new, too. So, mm. gosh, I remember. I think it was one of those, like, among the uh, audience he was going for, they liked it. But yeah. I think it was kind of a nits thing. Yeah. That's interesting. It reminds me of when we were in Bush Gardens. Yeah. And oh, we yeah, saw that 4D. 4D um, like what? L.L. Stein, J.L. Stein, Stein, some was, sort of. Yeah, R.L. Stein. R.L. Stein, yeah. Yeah, with the uh, lighthouse. Horror, yeah, and that mm-hmm. had things happening with the seats. and Yeah, air blowing and yeah. stuff. Yeah. So the, that guy, Castle, was kind of. He was kind of a pioneer in that yeah. sense. He, uh, a couple other stuff he did, and we'll get back to prices. You know that prices in a lot of these. He had a uh, a coward's corner, 
It's basically <laughs> what that was, was that like, it's like, if, hey, if you're, if it's too frightening, you know, just follow the, the signs to the, the coward's corner. The signs hilarious. would have like, right this way, coward. Oh my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> you know, like really. That really. might have been me in a couple movies I've seen before. I just wanted to leave the theater, but yeah. I was too afraid. They're all kind of dumb stuff, but it's a fun kind of dumb yeah, stuff, you know. Yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> uh, the Mass of Sardonicus, which was another one I've seen most of. I've seen most of The Tingler as well, but The Mass of Sardonicus was like, had two endings allegedly and had two endings where it's like uh the audience could vote on like these papers as to like should is is a bad guy has a bad guy been like redeemed enough has he suffered enough should he have the good ending or is he just an outright jerk and deserves a bad ending um but because it was filmed during the um Hayes code i believe which was you can't really you weren't really allowed to give criminals uh, unpunished by the end of the film. Oh, I they didn't had to be that punished in some way. Yeah. yeah. So it was one of those things that, like, and the fact that he claimed there was two enemies filmed, we only know of the uh, bad one. Uh-huh. So there's a question of was there ever really? It a, was just a little bit of a gimmick, maybe just to make people feel like they were involved. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. But it was a funny little interaction thing. That's cool. Yeah. So anyways, I think I kind of like that guy just because he was doing things differently. Yeah. So again, like I mentioned, he's in The Tingler. He was like, again, like the scientist dude. He was also in House on Haunted Hill, which came out in 59 as well. Um, that sounds spooky. Yeah. Well, it, it sounds generic, honestly. Uh, that's but. true. It sounds kind of like a Hardy Boy yeah, title. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so from Goosebumps or whatever. Uh, so after like that, during the 60s, he began uh, working with Roger Corman, who was another kind of famous uh, slocky horror movie director from the time. And you're asking, who's Roger Corman? <laughs> Roger Corman. Uh he uh, he's still first of all he's still living he's still making movies he's ninety five years old wow a lot of his movies are really slocky and sees you know like giant shark versus mega octopus or, or what yeah. you know yeah but the fact that he's still making Dopey means stuff. that there's at least there's some demand for that I yeah. guess so throughout a number of his films in the sixties Vincent Price played the bad guy or the lead role or whatever you know he was a major role in that with his very distinctive voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and that includes the, um, he was in uh, House of Usher, 1960, uh, The Pin and the Pendulum, 1961, Tales of Terror, 1962, The Comedy of Terrors, 1963, <laughs> uh, The Raven, also 1963, The Mask of Red Death, 1964, and The Tomb of Lygaea, also from 1964, oh obviously. Oh my gosh, so busy. Yeah, Corman had a thing for Oh, Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I was like, okay, I recognize a few of those yeah. titles. But no, Vincent Price is in so many films. I had to cut out some of the stuff he was in because it's like this is turning to a list. He just worked a lot. He was very prolific. I think he had. I think it was easy for him to find uh, roles in certain types because he was very. He had a certain look about him that was very dignified, but also could be very easy, like a sinister vibe. Yeah. And I think that's why he got typecast a lot as like the bad guy. And he also had a very distinctive voice. I can't, I'm not good with impressions. Okay. Since you say you're not good at doing impressions, here's a quick clip of Vincent Price performing The Raven. Once upon a midnight dreary, while I pondered weak and weary, over many a quaint and curious volume of forgotten lore. While I nodded, nearly napping, suddenly there came a tapping, as of someone gently rapping, rapping at my chamber door. 
the uh, Kimon also like those Egon Poe movies weren't the most accurate to the source materials kind of just like vague loose like here's a fun idea to kind of yeah. go off this gosh i can imagine this could potentially be very spooky though mm-hmm. like um i'm forgetting the title now the one where uh, the heartbeat is the tall tale heart Telltale heart yeah. yeah that's it yeah that would be so spooky yeah no that was spooky when the story the original the story, story was yeah. spooky to me yeah put a visual yeah. to that so i i've actually of those films i haven't seen too much i've seen i own pin the pins which i haven't seen yet somewhere i also own and i've seen house of usher which was okay. It kind of took a lot of the more ambiguity out of the original story, huh. which I guess, you know, easier for audience goers, I suppose. Uh, and I've seen the first half of The Mask of Red Death, which really took out the moral ambiguity. Like, it's just like, this person's a monster. Uh, wow. <laughs> it's all good. It's made for thrills and chills, you know, so it isn't like necessarily trying to be accurate. Yeah. So um, it, it accomplished what it was going for. Yeah. Like, there. Corman, I don't think, is trying to... I don't think he tries to tell good stories. I think he tries to entertain, kind of uh-huh. like William Castle. Uh-huh. Which, you can argue, there's value in that. You uh-huh. know, Not meant to win Oscars <laughs> or anything. So he finally, by 1960, he got his Hollywood Walk of Fame star, you know, yeah. uh, in Hollywood. He for had to work hard for that. Television and motion picture. Yeah. 1962, he had his second kid, a daughter named Victoria, which is basically the female version of Vincent. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is. They love that name. But today, she's still living, of course. And why well, I should say of course, because who knows? But she's yeah. still living. She's a, a writer and a public speaker about this or that. Huh. Uh, I didn't look too much into her because I was focused more on her dad. Yeah, but I thought, oh, it's yeah. cool. She's still around. 62, interesting. Yeah. He also uh, guest starred in a lot of uh, television around this time. Uh, he was in Batman, like the 1960s. Adam West, really cheesy, goofy Batman. Yeah. He played the villainous Egghead. Oh, gosh. Uh, which basically was <laughs> bald him, and he was supposed to be his criminal mastermind, but Whoa. he's called Egghead because he was bald and gimmicky. Oh, that's really and, funny. And um, he was also in The Man from Uncle, which is another famous kind of like espionage so from that time, and the Red Skelton so as well. Ah, interesting. Yeah. I, I know when I was um, looking for some pictures of, of him to post on Facebook or whatever, I saw a picture of him with Kermit the Frog. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, must have had at least one stint on Sesame Street. I mean, a lot of people did. Oh, that's Alice true. Alice Cooper's been on Sesame yeah, Street. Yeah, <laughs> they did. They always had some celebrity on there talking yeah. to Kermit or something. Yeah, that's yeah. true. But no, he got around. He was like a very famous face by yeah. this point. He also, this is kind of a side note, it's not really too big in terms of like a lot of his other stuff. He also stopped publishing books on gourmet cooking because he was apparently really into gourmet cooking. Oh, that's cool. So he got to the point where he could do some things he loved, like yeah. cook and, oh, that's cool. I think he did love being an actor, but I, he also really was into cooking. So. Yeah, probably, I imagine he probably did love being yeah. an actor. He did it for so long. Mm-hmm. So he continued acting throughout the 1970s and 1980s. Um, wow. He also did some dramatic readings of Poe. Because, oh. again, horror his voice. icon. His voice fit really well with that. Poe being like a like a horror icon. And he had a voice that really fit well with that and all that. So It's like a perfect match. It's a good match, yeah. Yeah. And he was a fan of Poe, too, which isn't too surprising because the same kind of genre they're in, yeah. if you will. He also, I think this is interesting, provided uh, vocals for musicians, such as Alice Cooper. Uh, Alice Cooper had a 1975 song called A Black Widow, which the music video, which I saw years ago, and while doing research for this, I re-found, is basically has like an introduction, because it's all part of um, Alice Cooper's 
uh, I think it was Welcome to My Nightmare concert, not concert, concept album. Okay. Uh, was basically is like a storyline, if you will. Uh. But in the music video, Vincent Price is like this sinister owner of a museum all about spiders. And wow. he's talking all about different venomous, deadly spiders and stuff. And then he starts ranting about how like... You know, uh, spies will take over the earth or whatever. Wow. It's fun. It's yeah. it's goofy. Pretty it's creative fun. use of uh, Vincent Price. So yeah, yeah. He also did, was um, did vocals for Michael Jackson as well in the 1983 song Thriller. Thriller. Uh, I was guessing. Yeah, he does the narration for that. That's cool. So, so if you're familiar with that song, that's what he sounds like. Yeah. yeah. He also had this is kind of more fu- stuff that I've known about for since I was a kid because it's for kids. Um, he had a major role in the 13 ghosts of Scooby-Doo, which was a special that came out in the mid eighties, 85 wow. or so. Uh, I'm and not familiar with that at all. Yeah. Well, needless to say, if you don't know his face, you probably know his voice, uh-huh. you know, because yeah. it's that iconic. Unfortunately, in 1973, he underwent a divorce because he's just had some trouble with that. But a year later, he married. <laughs> yeah. A year later? Yeah. Uh, Carol Brown, who was an Australian actress. Okay. He doesn't like to be alone, I guess. I guess, yeah. Or he just gets over it quickly. <laughs> I don't <laughs> yeah. know. Uh, well, that marriage lasted until 991 when Carol passed away. So there wasn't, like, that one stuck. And interestingly enough, one of his personal favorite roles was also one of his last roles which was uh, the villain Professor Rattigan in Disney's The Great Mouse Detective. Oh, that's out interesting. I know I've seen that before, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, the, the bad guy, the big rat dude. Yeah, Rattigan. Yeah, he voices that, and he apparently really liked it because it was very over-the-top and handy uh-huh, and stuff, cool. I'm sure. He also sings in it, which is awesome. Wow. Because <laughs> I don't know how often he sang. So yeah, so he got cool. a chance to sing. Mm-hmm. So let's see, that was in what year again did you say? Uh, 986. It wasn't his last role, but it was one of his last roles. He's like 75, 76. Yeah, no, he, he acted till like the very end, basically. His last major role, because I think he had like a couple cameos or whatever beyond that, uh, his last major role was as the inventor in the 1990 Tim Burton film Edward Scissorhands, which, if you don't know, is basically Tim Burton's take on Frankenstein, basically. I did see that movie. Yeah, but he's the inventor in that. That's that's really something. That was his last big one, huh? Yeah, it also helped lots Johnny Depp's career. Yeah. Who he, he's a bit of a, I guess, controversial is the right word for it. He's a bit of a controversial figure, but he's a good actor, Depp I think. Depp is? Yeah. You think he's controversial? He always seems to choose unusual mm-hmm. films. Well, I... Nowadays, he's a bit controversial, I guess. Oh. He said some stuff or whatever. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know. I'm not up on that. Whatever. So That's why I don't blame you. He was you. in early, I think before that. He was like in uh, 21 Jump Street. He was, yeah, on, on TV. Um, but also, what's he in Gilbert Grape? I thought that came out before. Uh, maybe. I don't Edward know. Edward Scissorhands. But, but basically, not turns into a thing about Johnny Depp, but basically, he was in 21 Jump Street and didn't want to get typecast as like a teen heartthrob. Yeah. So he... <laughs> took um, Edward Scissorhands as like a really weird out there role and kind of solidified him as a really weird out there yeah. actor. Yeah. But you know, fair enough. Yeah. So I, I want to see that ball set in motion. Yeah. Yeah. So Vincent Price, I love Vincent Price as not only just an actor with an amazing talent to like play uh, likable yet despicable characters, <laughs> you know, or, or one or the other or both as the case may be. Uh, I also like him as a person, like reading up on him was really interesting, really fascinating. You know, he, throughout his life, like even before this was like a, a kind of more popular 
um, stance to take, I guess, publicly. He was very much against like prejudice. You know, he wasn't, he was an outspoken, like, did not like racism, did not like religious division, you know. And his daughter, Victoria, she came out as lesbian at one point, and he was very supportive of her um, and very, like, he didn't disown her or, you know, throw her out or anything like that. So in that sense, he was a pretty progressive person, mm-hmm. um, at least how I would define progressive, I guess, which I think is awesome, you know. Um, yeah. Well, that's it's always hard to uh, stand up for what you believe in when yeah. you are in the minority. Sure. No, totally. I get that. Sometimes with these older figures in history, not that he's too far back, you know, he mm-hmm. passed away in the early 90s. So, yeah. And not she's not that much older than I am. I yeah. Mean. Yeah. But it's, um, you know, like when you go back and look at like how older people had a full life in them, you know, sometimes they're pretty cool, you know, and you're like, oh, that's really neat. They said some cool stuff. They did some cool stuff. But then you find out they hate Jewish people or something <laughs> dumb <laughs> so, like yeah, that. Some hidden. Yeah, some of them are not even hidden. It's just like, oh, yeah, well, you know, people were more bigoted back then or more like closed-minded on some certain things. Like George Patton is like that, um, for example. But it was refreshing for me, uh, kind of just reading up on him, to find out that he wasn't that bigoted, at least not in public, maybe in private, who knows, maybe yeah. on private. But uh, I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. You know? Yeah, that yeah. is cool. So as an actor and like a person, going off those who are close to him, because obviously he was a soul-soul, outgoing guy. He was very charming, you know, he was very friendly. And he, he wasn't scary. He wasn't scary. In he, real life. No, he played a lot of scary people because <laughs> he, he, he rocked playing the bad guy, which is why he was typecast as it, because he had the looks, he had the voice, and I don't think he minded too much about being that role, uh, which is good because sometimes the typecasting, it, it kind of sucks. Like Bell Lugosi, he did not want to be Dracula forever, but because he was so amazing as Dracula, he couldn't get out of being Dracula. Yeah, it could be a curse, a blessing or a curse. Sir, yeah. Anyways, both him and Mary Grant, who uh, was his second wife, in case there was a lot of names thrown around, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. easy to get them confused. They donated a lot of artwork and cast to the East Los Angeles College, which is where today uh, the Vincent Price Art Museum is. And it was built in, um, like, in the late 50s or so. Oh, that's so. really so cool. Around. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he finally passed away October 25th, 1993, in his L.A. home. He had lung cancer, which sucks, but, you know, he was older. I did. I saw some pictures of him smoking, too, and I wondered if that mm-hmm. ended up being what it was, got him. It was more common back then, but, yeah, sure. it's unfortunate. Yeah. He was 82, so pretty respectable. Uh, and he, to this day, is widely admired by tons of people, including like those you wouldn't necessarily think would <laughs> be on the same side on some stuff. A lot of horror film aficionados, I think is the right term. They really like him because he's kind of this iconic presence. He's still popular. He's a little less now, of course, because he's been dead for a while. But, you know, people know who he is. When you say Vincent Price, chances are it's like, oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, there's at least some that. recognition, name recognition. There's a lot of parodies of him and references to him and, like, on his iconic voice and stuff. Like, uh-huh. The Simpsons did some stuff with him with their uh, Treehouse of Terror or Treehouse of Horror. Uh-huh. They're Halloween specials. Will sometimes reference Vincent Price. Um, oh, you just made me think of something. I wonder if he's on that. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, you're good. Uh, when I was a kid, we had a a record uh, LP for Halloween, scary noises and stuff. Oh yeah. I'm trying to remember if there was. Uh, I think that there was somebody's voice on there. I just wonder if he did something like that. I'll have to look into that later. Sure, sure. So 
uh, yeah, that's why I want to cover him basically because I thought he was really interesting and really like have a, a cool figure. Um, and I thought he's relevant at least to like kind of culture and stuff, even if you know it's still a little more recent than some yeah, of the other stuff yeah. we talked about. It's very cool, uh, influential guy in a certain area of really a genre in yeah. film and like you said, radio and stuff. That's really, really cool to hear about that guy. I like that he was active so much of his life working. That That's cool. Yeah. Well, some of like my favorite actors haven't been in a lot of stuff, unfortunately, <laughs> you know. So if you like so, Vincent Price, you're not going to, you're, you're not, not going to try too hard to find stuff. Yeah, in. <laughs> you won't be disappointed. You're not going to run out of stuff. Yeah. Cool. That's great, Jacob. So uh, nice job on this one. It's so, Thank you. so I'm so I'm happy to be back um, <laughs> uh, having, you know, being able to produce podcasts again. So, I think this is a great comeback. And uh, who are we going to be talking to or what are we going to be talking about next time? <laughs> right. Uh, so next time we're talking about an event. And this is going to be more more kind of traditional in the sense of what we've talked about. We're going to talk about the Great Molasses Flood of 1919. The Great Molasses Flood. I don't know how you find these things. <laughs> the emu war, the, the Polish bear oh, yeah. in the army, the Polish army yeah. bear. Molasses flood. Okay. I'd never heard of such a thing. So I'm looking forward to hearing more about that for awesome sure. Awesome possum. <laughs> Great. All right, Jacob. Until next time, listeners, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for your patience while we waited for our equipment to return. And uh, we hope you get to tune in next time. Bye. Confucius once said, study the past if you would define the future. You've been listening to the History Slices podcast with Jacob and Rachel. We hope you've gotten some useful information from the show. We hope we made you think, and we hope you were entertained. We know we had fun, and we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on Facebook at History Slices and on Instagram at History Slices Podcast. Make sure to like, rate, and review the show, and tell a friend about the show. That'll help us out, too. One more quote before we go from Michael Crichton. If you don't know history, then you don't know anything. You are a leaf that doesn't know it's part of a tree. Till next time, this is History Slices, signing off.